As we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians 15, we're looking at 12 through 19, death necessary for life tonight. Talking about Jesus' death and how in that we find life in the resurrection. And one of the things we, we find in life is life and death are connected, intertwined, aren't they? In these large areas of life, the big picture, life and death, we're born for a time, live, and all of us exit this world eventually in death. No one who lives will escape death. Thus, if we live, if we're alive one day, we'll also experience death, making these two the bookends of life, life and death. You know, we use them in the life and death situation. Maybe you have a story about a situation you were in that was life and death and how you were able to escape death and continue to live. In our culture, we often see that people don't want to talk about death in the sense of it's going to affect us all. Many people in our culture kind of ignore death and, and live like it doesn't exist and that it isn't part of their life. And they won't, don't want to talk about it and they're going to ignore it. And while we may appreciate their pluckiness, it ignores the reality of the world in which we live in, the world of life that will bring forth death. And it demonstrates in life and death, we are people in need of hope, in need of hope and death. And what do we need that hope? Where do we find it? We find it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' death, which we're reminded of today and we're celebrating and reflecting on, Jesus died, but praise God, he didn't stay there. He was brought back by the Father to life. And the Apostle Paul holds up Jesus' death and his resurrection as this is the place of hope for us in life. And as Jesus died in this day several thousand years ago, a death that was planned by God for you and me, we turn our attention for just a few moments tonight to these verses in 1 Corinthians 15. And what we find first is there were doubters. There were doubters. Verse 12. But it is, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Some say there was no resurrection of the dead. How can this be? How can you say that? Paul is questioning the church, saying, what is going on here? Why are there some who doubt? Why do you doubt the resurrection? For Paul has already established here in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and raised again in the verses 3 and 4. And our sins were separating us from God could only be taken away through Jesus' work on the cross. There is no other way to accomplish our reconciliation. Jesus' death is crucial. But if it's preached that Christ has risen, raised from the dead. How can you say there's no resurrection? But some people are trying to say, Jesus died, but that was it. He didn't rise from the dead. Because if Jesus died, but didn't rise from the dead, we would still be in a heap of trouble. You know, people generally believe Jesus died. But there's some who disagree that he came back to life. And they are what? There are those who doubt. They doubt what Jesus did for us, that he died for our sins and rose again. But Paul says we can't be part of those who doubt that because this is true. And Paul was an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Many had seen Jesus die on the cross 
and the apostles and others were eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus died. Of that we can be sure. And praise God, he rose again. So let us not be doubters, but there were doubters in the church. Why is it being doubted? Why are the people in Corinth being like this? And in it, they're not realizing the significance of Jesus' death and his resurrection. Doubting the reality of Jesus' physical death and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. A number of years ago, uh, there was a meeting of a Christian radio station, HCJB in Quito, Ecuador. And they were meeting in an upper floor of this, what was then the tallest building in, in Quito, Ecuador. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the meeting, they felt a shaking. The light started moving, and everyone realized it was an earthquake. And so what did people do? They started to run for the hallway and run for the door and try to get out. Except one person. There was one man who sat there. He was going, why aren't you leaving? He goes, I built the building. I know it's safe. It was built to withstand this. He had no doubts. Everyone else was afraid and ran. But he had no doubts because he saw the building and oversaw it. And he knew it was safe. And it was. Well, you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus is where we need to go. Because Paul lifts up God's design of his salvation for us. And where is it? In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are to be those who have no doubt about what Jesus did for us, Paul says. But not only doubters, there are also deniers. Verses 13 and 14, we see this. And what does Paul go on to say? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Paul speaks about the deniers here, about who would, who would out and out deny the work of Jesus Christ. Literally, they were those who had the heads in the ground. They, they're deniers. No, no, this, dead men don't rise. This can't take place. They denied it. But Paul says the death and resurrection of Jesus are inseparably linked together. And for you and for me, for our redemption, for as Jesus did it, so shall we. For without the resurrection of the dead, believers coming back to life, Paul says it would be the same as if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. In other words, as Jesus died and rose again, so it is for those who trust in him. These two are linked together. And so as we realize Jesus died and rose again, so we can be encouraged and strengthened that his death is for our redemption and his resurrection is for our life eternal. For without the resurrection of the dead, believers coming back to life, Paul says it's just then as Jesus hasn't been raised and it makes our preaching useless and your faith worthless. It's important that we get this right. Because to lose any of the message of Jesus' death and his resurrection is to lose it all. For all of it fits together for our redemption and salvation. That statement of what he says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. All of that is crucial and essential. None of it can be lost for our redemption. John Wesley, one of the early pioneers of the Methodist church was a great evangelist and christian leader a couple hundred years ago and he would often ride horseback going from station to station proclaiming and preaching the gospel of jesus christ 
And one time he was riding along and another man came up alongside with him. But this man didn't want to talk to him. He held him up, said, okay, give me all your money. Otherwise, I'm going to harm you physically. And Wesley reached in his pocket and says, okay, here's, I have a couple coins. And the man was disappointed because he thought, this guy, he was, he's got to have some monies, but he just had a few coins. And he was like, oh, that's it? Oh, man. And he started to run right away. But Wesley says, I don't have much in physical riches, but remember the greatest riches. Christ died for your sins. And his blood shed, paid for your redemption. This man's like, what are you talking about, Wesley? And he rode away. Well, years later, Wesley was preaching, as he often did. And after he finished preaching, a man came up to him years later and said, I don't know if you remember, but it was many years ago, you were riding a horse, and I came up to you, and I robbed you of your things. And he says, oh, yeah, I remember that. And he said, well, your words, they made an impact to me when you said, remember the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. And as I rode away, that just started etching in my mind. And eventually, God worked it in my life, and it changed me. I accepted that. And Wesley's words about the real riches, the message of Jesus penetrated his soul, and he believed the gospel message and was saved. This is the power of God through Jesus' death, and praise God, his resurrection for you and for me. And to be deniers of that is to deny God's grace in Christ's death for us. This is God's death through his son Jesus for you and for me. And we must never be doubters or deniers of what he's done, otherwise we'll leave it all. But then there's another category, deceivers. We read in verses 15 and following. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about, of God if it didn't take place. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. In other words, we're saying, if this isn't true, we're all been deceived. And we're deceived as ourselves by proclaiming it. If Jesus didn't die for our sins, if he wasn't raised back to life, we're part of the biggest scandal in world history. There's been many scandals, Peter's, uh, Madoff, and many, many others. But you know, there's a bigger scandal if Jesus didn't die and come back to life. It's a scandal of the gospel message. But praise God that we aren't. We are false witnesses, deceivers, if Christ didn't rise from the dead. And we have to be aware that this is not just a story. It's not, say, it's not really important. No, this is crucial. This is essential. Christ's physical death, his shedding of his blood, his pouring out his life, taking our sins and shames upon himself was essential and necessary for our life, our future, our redemption and salvation. Paul says, never forget this. This is so important. Don't be deceived by those who would want you to not believe it. And in the church in Corinth, there were those who said, no, this isn't right, this isn't true. I can't, I can't get behind this. And Paul calls them out and saying, they're lost for their deceivers who don't understand what God has done for us. We can't be and do what Thomas Jefferson did with the scriptures. Cut and paste it. If you remember the story, he would take a scripture and he cut out things he didn't like. And so he had a scripture that was cut out just with words and stories that he thought were appropriate. Like we can stand in judgment of what God has done for us. 
But many do this today, maybe not with scissors, but by how? By doubting, by denying Jesus' death and resurrection and thus deceive others. But we are those who hear the word of God and believe. For Jesus died for us, was raised so that we might have life. The death, burial, and praise God of the resurrection is for us so that we could have life in his name. But Christ has been raised from the dead. He died for us. You know what that makes us? That makes us people who are delighters. We delight in Jesus' death. We delight in Jesus' death and resurrection. So I, early on, you know, maybe you've been asked, why do they call it Good Friday? Jesus died. Why isn't it called Bad Friday? Horrible Friday. The worst Friday. But because Jesus died for our sins, taking that sin and shame upon himself so that we could be released, be reconciled with God, find peace with him, and find life in his name through faith in Jesus Christ, receiving his grace. That's what makes it good. God's love was so great, he shared his son with us. For death in the hands of Jesus, instead of being horrible and awful, becomes a glorious thing. You know what it is? It's we delight in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because it depends on whose hands it's in. You know, it's been said that for the, uh, with the great ones, you know, a basketball. If I have a basketball in my hands, you know what it's worth? It's worth the $25 I paid for the basketball. But if it's in LeBron James' hands, that basketball's worth $50 million a year. It depends on whose hands it's in. A tennis racket in my hand is worth 100 bucks. I paid for it. But in Serena Williams' hands, it's worth dozens of championships because it depends on whose hands it's in. A paintbrush in my hands is worth 15 bucks. But a paintbrush in a great artist's hands is worth the awe and admiration of millions in all its glorious detail. For it depends on whose hands it's in. A piece of paper sketching out a business venture is worthless in my hands, but a piece of paper sketching out a business adventure in Elon Musk's hands is worth billions, for it depends on whose hands it's in. A violin in my hands is not worth anything, trust me. You don't want to hear that. A violin in the hands of 13-year-old Carolina Prasinko is of great, limitless value of beautiful music. One who has over six million YouTube followers has over a billion views because it all depends on whose hands it's in. A nail in my hand is worth a nail in my hand is worth, you know, maybe a, gar a bench that I can build. But a nail in the hands of Jesus, a nail in the hands of Jesus, is worth what the accomplishment of our salvation. For it all depends on whose hands it's in. For Jesus took our sins on his body so that we could die to sin and live in his life evermore. So our fears, our hopes, our concerns, our worries, our hopes, our dreams, careers, families, significant things in life, future can be put into the hands, the loving, caring, loving hands of Jesus Christ who changed the nails of torture into what? the act of redemption, because it all depends on whose hands it's in. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. So as we remember this Good Friday, 
death in the hands of, of Jesus Christ has taken something horrible and made it something wonderful and good for you and me. The victory over death, the forgiveness of sins, and life, resurrection forevermore. For you and I can reflect as we reflect on the work of Jesus Christ as we remember the Last Supper and Jesus' sacrifice on this Good Friday. Know that Jesus has come to die knowing his death was a tool for our redemption and the victory which we celebrate on Easter. For in the hands of God, Jesus' death accomplishes your and my salvation. For it all depends on whose hands it's in. Praise God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the cross, for Jesus' death. Because in your sovereign plan, in your will, you turned this instrument of torture and horror and made it something beautiful because it accomplished our redemption. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for your work on our behalf, and for your kindness and mercy to us so that we could be those who have a relationship with you for now and forevermore. Thank you that the nails in your hands achieved eternal life. Praise be to your name, our God. Amen.